This is the Tribune Audio Network. This is the Backstory Podcast. I'm Larry Potash. On this show, we uncover the backstory behind some of the most intriguing tales in history, culture, science, religion, and more. In this episode, we meet two brothers who kind of joke that their suburban upbringing was a combination of the Wonder Years and the Sopranos. It seemed typical until they noticed a man who came over for dinner was later in the newspaper and not in a good way. While they say their father and grandfather were never in the mob, many of their friends were, including a man they knew as Mr. Sam, who was actually Sam Giancana, Chicago's top mobster at the time. Now this episode sounds a little different because Michael and Jeffrey shared their story with me as we took a trip through the Chicago area, through the old neighborhood. We visited places that, like their own lives, seemed normal on the surface, but once had ties to the mob. So here's the backstory of the Gentilly brothers in their own words. Tony Cardo lived over on Grand Avenue. Jackie Cerrone lived over on Elizabeth. Sam Giancana lived down on Aberdeen and Dearborn. So really, that next generation of post Capone mobsters really came from these streets. My dad, you know, he had a produce business originally on the street. He was a street peddler, and he would deliver envelopes to different mob bosses. They were, you know, most likely betting slips. But he never took money for it because he figured if he took money, it made him an employee. But if he did a favor, he made a friend. And in the long term, a friend tomorrow is better than a few bucks today. He was my, our father for a man who wasn't formally educated, educated deeply. Very insightful. Very insightful. Our house was an open house for these mid-level guys who my dad made friends with. Up and down the org chart. You know, guys who worked for everybody. Would come to the house. And my mom would make three pounds of macaroni, so there was always a leftover in the fridge. So if somebody came over, she had pasta for them. There was always two, three pounds of lunch meat in the house in case somebody wanted a gobble sandwich. That's not even a joke. Okay, so this is the O'Hare Inn and Suites on North Mannheim Road. This is the place where your dad had a club. When? In, uh, from 1962 to 1965. You know, it doesn't look like much right now with all this industry, but back in the 60s, this was the Las Vegas Strip. It was dotted with high-end motels and hotels featuring some of the, the biggest names in entertainment. And our father had a nightclub and bar right here in this place called Orlando's Hideaway. We'd have people like Eddie Fisher performed here. Uh, Louis Prima, Louis and, Prima Keely and Keely Smith performed here. All of the big names all up and down the street because the Chicago outfit expected within two years to have open casino style gambling like Las Vegas here. So they wanted to have all the infrastructure in place. One day we were, we were playing around and we, we, we went downstairs and we were used to seeing a man we, know, we knew as Mr. Sam. We learned decades later it was Sam Giancana. He was often here with Joe Ayupa and some of the other outfit guys. This particular day, we go downstairs and we were visiting with our father. We're going back up. And Frank Sinatra is walking down the stairs. Now to me, it was inconceivable. He was on TV. And a few minutes later, this furious argument erupted. Now we didn't know what the context of it was. All we heard was the intensity of the voices the profanity, and our father just hustled us out in a minute. And years and years later, I said, Dad, what was all that about? And he said, blankety, blankety, blank, Joe Kennedy. It had become 
a problem for the outfit who felt betrayed by the Kennedy family after they had helped JFK become president in 1960. And Frank Sinatra said he played more dates in Chicago than anywhere else in the world. So they were performing here as a favor to They were performing, yeah. They were performing here as another favorite to Sam Giancana. And they made a lot of money. They made the equivalent of two and a half million dollars over a seven day run. Yeah, it was one of the, big, one of the biggest runs ever. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. People know Giancana, they know Accardo, but who is Richard Kane? Richard Kane is one of the lesser known figures in outfit history. He got his start in the early 50s, a dirty cop on day one when he went to work for the Chicago PD. His job was to pass out bribes to other dirty cops from Sam Giancana. He was running a special investigations unit and they were targeting vice. And they were specifically targeting the hotel and nightclub owners, figuring if they could break the hotel and nightclub operators who were heavily unionized at the time, they could break the unions. If they could break the unions, they could cut off the mob's money fund and smash it. And I would imagine this would have impacted your dad because he had a very unusual show going on here. He did. <laughs> In 1965, he booked a cutting edge act. It was a drag act and it was the crisscross review. And at the time it was illegal in the state of Illinois for a man to appear in female attire in public. And that's the angle that Kane wanted to use to get to my dad to cave in and let them know who he thought was behind the place. And Richard Kane's end game at that point was to take over the outfit himself. He wanted to borrow a plot from Mario Puzo. He wanted to take out Sam Giancana, Tony Accardo, and all the top outfit leaders in one coordinated hit on New Year's Eve. And he came here to this neighborhood, to a sandwich shop, and presented his idea to Marshall Kefana, who at the time was one of the big shots in the outfit. And rather than take over the outfit, he ended up dead in that same sandwich shop where he came to hatch his scheme. You know, keep your mouth shut and never read on your friends is a, <laughs> is a little byline from one of the movies. And the truth of the matter is that's a, a code my father lived by. Keep your mouth shut. Don't say nothing. And if they ask you a question, remember they already know the answer. But knowing as an adult what they did and what they were about, why even get anywhere near it? You know, that's a good question. It really it, did give us an opportunity to walk in each other's shoes. A aside bit. from the mob narrative. Yeah, totally aside from the mob yeah. narrative. I mean, the mob narrative always had the, the overview. I mean, it was all about two kids taking an overview of something that is far beyond them. And that's basically what we did. And here we are talking to you, which is, <laughs> which is almost amazing. It is. <laughs> we, hey, I'll tell you what, we think so, Larry. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Backstory. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast or leave a review. To watch our full coverage of this story and see some that didn't make it to the podcast, visit us online at WGNTV.com slash Backstory. This has been a production of the Tribune Audio Network.